Welcome to Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work, a podcast intended to showcase best-in-class practices on burning issues related to disability and employment. I'm Nasha Ely, Business Relations Consultant with the Business Network Division of Michigan Rehabilitation Services, Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Dr. Sriram Narayanan, Professor of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. Hi. Each episode, we will be having conversations with employees, employers, firms, community organizations, not-for-profits, and other state organizations that are doing outstanding work in integrating individuals with disabilities into the workforce and allow them to share their experience and stories. This production is a collaboration between the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University and Michigan Rehabilitation Services. For this episode, we're joined by Jennifer Zuniga, Director of the Michigan Career and Technical Institute, or MCTI. The Michigan Career and Technical Institute is a post-secondary vocational and technical training center for adults with disabilities in Michigan. I'm Jennifer Zuniga. I'm the director at Michigan Career and Technical Institute. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, we, will, we will get uh, uh, started. Uh, Jennifer, could you talk a little bit about yourself and what is your role at MCTI? So I am the uh, current director at Michigan Career and Technical Institute. Um, I oversee all the all the facility operations uh curriculum development training programs dorm leisure fire and safety and manage everything that's out there essentially right now um i started as a um as a blended staff member here at mcti in adult education we managed the ged testing program and moved from there into job placement and then vocational assessment, which I absolutely loved, um, and then to admissions, and then ended up in student services, managing student services and um, the facility, um, and then when Paul Moore retired in, in 2021, I stepped in as the director. Oh, congratulations. Could you tell us what is MCTI and, and, and what do you do? What is your mission? How many students are there? Uh, some background. Um, sure. MCTI is a, is a post-secondary vocational comprehensive training center. Um, we are one of only eight centers in the country. Um, there are actually other centers in the eastern portion of the U.S. and southern portion of the U.S. that exist that are very similar to MCTI. We are the second largest, um, and we offer our mission is essentially to um, help individuals with disabilities um, provide the training and the support services to have them find competitive employment. 
So sorry to ask this question, but you mentioned the word blended staff. Can you, what, what is that? Like, I know what that is working for state government, but our listeners might not understand what that means. So a lot of the, the state agencies um, hire individuals or have, a, have the opportunity to hire individuals that are not necessarily state of Michigan employees, but they provide services to um, their clients, to state of Michigan clients or MRS clients. And so uh, that could be a goodwill employee. I, you know, like it, it, this is, I'm talking 30 years ago, I was employed by Goodwill Industries um, and it, for the job placement portion. So um, MRS would just authorize for, for the services that I provided and tied it directly to that individual. Because, you know, I mean, at that time, I'm not, I, I don't know if they had enough employees, um, but Essentially, MRS can, can purchase services, So, and, and I was a purchase service provider. A lot of people got their start that way. Um, we actually have a nonprofit attached to MCTI. It's their, there are um, board of directors, if you will, uh, and they, um, they also uh, would hire staff, MCTI staff, the staff to serve the students, instructors, um, temporarily until we could get state positions established. So it's been a, it's been a pretty good relationship with the Pine Lake Fund. And that is uh, the Pine Lake Fund, correct? Yes, the Pine Lake Fund is the mm -hmm. nonprofit that's associated with MCTI. We have to have a board of directors in terms because of our accreditation. So we are accredited by both the Council on Occupational Education and uh, the uh, Commission on Accreditation for Rehab so both CARF and COE accredited since the beginning of time. And I know we, so we have a history of, of you and how you kind of got into your current role at MCTI and a little bit about MCTI, but can you also tell us um, a little about the programming there and where is MCTI located? So, you know, MCTI offers um, th 13 training programs. We have automotive, culinary arts, pharmacy technician, grounds maintenance, machine technology, cabinet making, um, a certified nursing assistant, retail marketing, custodial, I know I'm missing some here, um, but we have essentially 13 of the training programs, uh, and we are located in Plainwell, Michigan, which is not actually accurate. We're about 10 miles out of Plainwell, um, and we sit on 40 acres of pristine, uh, serene acreage. We sit on a lake. Uh, we have probably three quarters of a mile of lake frontage that the students have access to. Um, and we just moved to a year-round calendar so that we could take advantage of that, um, all those outdoor activities. We previously were shut down in the summer for six to eight weeks. Um, and we found that the learning gains that were lost during that period of time, you know, between shutting down in July and starting back up in September, you know, um, we were having to reteach information and it just, we're not on that um, agrarian, oh, oh, Edit, edit, edit. We're not on that um, agrarian calendar. Am I saying it correctly uh, anymore? So, you know, 
our school year now starts in July. And then there's a three week break in between each term. Okay. And we have four terms each year. So students can enroll four times a year. Um, so it's, it's we've, we've moved off of that um, traditional school calendar, if you will. I know some schools are going to more balanced calendars, but um, we actually did, uh, McRis did some focus groups for us and the students highly approved of that change. Um, you know, our summer term was always down. Nasha, you probably know that for students because they wanted to go home and work. Well, now they can continue going to school and get to their final job or their, their, their you know, their tra- the job that they're training for a job uh, sooner. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a little push behind that calendar change. And you've mentioned that um, state VR and vocational rehabilitation. So can you explain how MCTI is a component of or part of the broader state of Michigan VR program specific? And, and it's not just specific to MRS that would, or, or the programming related to vocational rehabilitation in Michigan. So, I mean, we are part of MRS. We are in an actual division of, of Michigan Rehab and, and all of our referrals, because we are part of that Rehab Services Administration grant, all of our referrals and everybody that we serve here at MCTI has to have has to be an individual with a disability. Um, and so our, our because we are, our funding source is shared and, and we are MRS, if you will, all of our referrals come from MRS. Um, and so we provide the technical training uh, in those 13 areas to the, to the students here at MCTI and for MRS. Do you also get referrals from other VR programs, like the Bureau of Services for Blind Persons or federal VR like veterans? So yes, um, those make up a very small proportion of our referrals, but they are the the Department of Veterans Affairs is a referral source, BSBP is a referral source for us. Um, We are working on becoming a veteran-friendly school um, but our roots, interestingly enough, our roots are based with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Mm-hmm. The, the property was actually deeded to um, the Department of Veterans Affairs in like 1944, and then it moved on to the Department of Ed in 1946. So we started as a, as a rehab or a rehabilitation center for individuals returning from World War II. And it was a place for them to come and heal and retrain um, after, after injury during World War II. So this, they could come and live for a dollar a month. <laughs> Can you imagine that, a dollar a month? So Jennifer, how many, how many students? And, and, and I'm also curious to learn a little bit about the, the age, background, what, are, uh, what kind of disabilities uh, and the general careers, maybe some more color on MCTI. And, and sure. So we have um, we have room for 350 students each term, uh, and we also have a, a an apartment uh, out out front here that is operated by the Pine Lake Fund that gives us a <clears throat> about 30 additional beds should we should we choose to use them. Um, and that's for folks that don't necessarily, maybe they want a little more privacy than a dorm setting could afford them. 
But um, if you had to profile our student here at MCTI, it would be someone who is 18 to 22 years old. Um, the male-female ratio, you know, it's approximately, and then this fluctuates, but 75% male, 25% female. Um, right now, 33% of our population are individuals on the autism spectrum. Uh, and then <clears throat> I think the next most prevalent disability is ADHD. And then after that, it was would be a specific learning disability. Um, but it's interesting, most of our students have coexisting disabilities. So it's not, we're not just, it's not just an individual with autism. It's, it could be somebody um, with ADHD and a learning disability or ADHD and, and bipolar disorder. So um, <clears throat> it's a very, it, it's always a mix. I mean, it, you rarely see a student coming through MCTI with, with only one disability listed. So that means we have to have all the necessary support services in place. Um, and so we do have occupational therapists on staff. Um, we have, you know, nurses and doctors. Um, we, have, we have a nursing staff here is five days a week. We have a doctor that comes in once a week. We have supportive counseling services. Um, we can refer out for other services, but that's generally, um, I mean, in terms of health services, that's what we offer. But we offer, you know, um, support services after class. Um, there's, there's remediation services. There are leisure services. So we have structured and unstructured leisure activities. We actually have a pretty good basketball league that runs uh, after school. Um, and everybody gets to play, so it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, But they the, all the activities that we do are based on student input, they get to decide um, what's being offered. Uh, and if, if, if something is not being offered that they would like to see, they have a chance to implement that. Um, we have much of what happens in the dormitory after school uh, that they get to set some of the policies for that uh, in terms, they have, a, they have a student government system. So that includes a student court uh, that that in, includes a legislative body, um, and they get to they volunteer in the community. Um, you know, projects that are near and dear to their heart. Um, so, I mean, there's just there's, there's a whole host of activities here. And if somebody wants something to to happen, they can uh, they can leisure services will work to implement that. We've got groups. We've got an LGBTQ plus group that runs um, after school. Jennifer, you talked about a lot of information that honestly, I don't even think I knew um, as far as- Come on, Nasha. No, I didn't know about the groups. I knew about the student government and, and things like that. But um, based on what you're saying, this seems like even though there's the training and, and the certifications and things that come from going to MCTI, there's this, um, I don't know, like, the independent living, the socialization that people gain from this, the independence, the ability to lead um, that is all wrapped into um, coming here. And I would say if someone chooses to take advantage of it, because everyone doesn't, but the, oppor the opportunities are there. Um, and I know even when I was a counselor, I would say, you know, this is like going to a specialized college. 
And, you know, just, just because of all of the things that someone could participate in. So, I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? So here's what we know about students that are coming out of high school. First of all, what we know is high school isn't the dream environment for every student that has been through special ed. Um, you know, they often are separated into classrooms that are not, you know, in a certain wing of the building. And they often don't get to participate in, in activities. And so um, when students come to MCTI, it's almost like their first experience where every person around them is, is just like them. They're not any different. Everybody is out in the open. Everybody knows that everybody that comes to MCTI has a disability. And it creates this sense of community um, where they get to participate, our students get to participate in, in, like you said, be the leaders for the first time. They're making their own choices uh, towards what they wanna do and what they don't wanna do. Um, so it is kind of their, just, I mean, it is, it's heartwarming to see um, that they get, the students get to have that experience because mm -hmm. you know they didn't have that in high school. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's, you know, you, of course, we are limited as to who we can serve through the RSA grant, um, but it really does provide an individual the opportunity to grow. Um, it's always funny to be here on registration day and, and see the students when they enroll and see how nervous they are, some of them, you know, and then um, and to watch them grow throughout the time that they're here. You know, so it's it's that personal growth that happens in the dorm that happens outside of the classroom, the confidence that they build uh, that they can do, you know, I mean, watching them go through the electronics training and the way we have the program structure from, you know, smaller classroom sizes and, and providing some of those support services and, and really, you know, the way the instructors teach, you know, you, you take away everything that is not needed in uh, you, 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 you're giving them everything that they actually need to be successful in employment. Um, and, and they just continue to build on that success uh, in the training program. So it, it really is. And then when you see them on graduation day, you're, you know, like you, I don't know if you're looking at the same people, you know, it's, it's completely transformative. So, and it's a great opportunity. I mean, if these opportunities were in the community, they'd be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Jennifer, this is, I, I find this very fascinating. So if I may, if I may sort of frame it differently, you know, I, of course, I also work in a university setting. And, and I think that um, when I hear you, hear you speak, uh, what sort of makes me think is that there's lots of interest now in among many corporations and even uh, universities to build a more neurodiverse community, as we would like to call it. It sounds to me like you already are you know, nurturing one, uh, if I will. So, so the, the, the question is, what, what would you think are learnings that MCTI has that could be ported to other educational environments uh, when we are trying to educate um, individuals like the ones you are working on? Clearly, it seems like there, there is a benefit of peer networking, uh, which sort of gives people confidence. And, and but, but the question is, how, how is the curriculum different? How is your fundamental philosophy and approach to working with students, you know? Uh, well, 
something like that. Yeah, so it, it you know, it starts with just looking at the student as an individual and it starts with a, a pretty thorough assessment of, of an individual's and not just an academic assessment. So when, when we're looking at, when we're looking at students' abilities, it's not just reading math. Um, you know, we take into consideration, you know, the, the spatial informed perception. Uh, we take into consideration, um, you know, hands-on abilities. Uh, there, there's just some different skills than, than the, those academics. We have taken students, you know, most educational institutions rely on those academics pretty heavily. Um, but students, our students, you know, they're just, they, they often don't do well on tests. Um, we pigeonholed, I mean, if you look at, if you look at some of the systems we have in place in terms of um, high school diploma versus certificate of completion, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's accomplished what it's meant to accomplish, but it, it's instead of in being inclusive, it's being exclusive. So um, we don't, you know, we have some guidelines that we go through for admissions uh, as to whether or not a person has the ability to benefit from training. Um, and so once we get them, you know, once we conduct an assessment, we're looking at things other than just reading and math. And then you have to look even further and ask yourself the question, are these skills really needed for these for a certain training program? Um, you know, I a, a cabinet maker, for example, here at the school, you know, they they do need uh, to understand basic math for sure. But the, do their reading levels need to be, um, you know, a seventh or an eighth grade reading level? Probably not. Um, and so we see that frequently is that, you know, we need, we have to have a really good understanding of what that student actually needs to do to be successful in the training program. And, and we go on an individualized basis. We look at all those test scores. We pull everything out of those test scores. Everything's done on an individualized basis. And again, if I have somebody that's not a good reader, maybe has some basic math, but has a spatial perception and form perception that is off the chart, um, that person probably would, is gonna do okay in cabinet making. They're gonna be able to make a living in cabinet making. Um, so, you know, I, that's, the small classroom sizes are, is extremely helpful. Um, <clears throat> having, especially when you're talking neurotypical, having the support staff available to intervene if there's issues that, that arise in the training program. You know, the instructors here have been, I, I, I can't tell you how many years of experience we have with, you know, with, with our instructors uh, dealing with or working with individuals with disabilities. But we, with low numbers, with like say 15 students in a program, you know, you bring in the team if you're having an issue. And the team is a rehab counselor it is, a, um, it is the occupational therapist. It could be a nurse. Um, it, <laughs> it, could be, uh, it could be a dorm staff if they're having issues adjusting in the, in the dorm. I mean, that's a huge, portion, uh, a huge issue for students that come to MCTI is learning how to independently balance the, their training and their, in their social life. For the first time in their life, they have to understand that they're responsible for getting themselves up and going to class and, and those types of things. But the team sits down and talks with the, with the student 
uh, on an individual basis and they look and see where this, the individual is struggling. And if we can, if we can, if it's, if it's math, we have support services for that. If it's reading, we have accommodations. Um, so that, you know, we, we are ahead of the game, if you will, when it comes to that kind of stuff with addressing student needs. You see that once they, once our students transition into employment, a lot of our students don't do well with change. Um, it's hard for them. And so if we can provide in Michigan Rehab when they go home, they can hire a job coach um, for the individual, which helps them and you, it helps them more not to show them how to do the job, but it helps them with all the social nuances transitioning into employment. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, absolutely. I think you answered and more. Thank you very much. Uh, Nasha, do you want to go next? And you had a question. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, from what I know <laughs> of MCTI, there's been in an effort to make sure that the trades and the programming and the training are kept up with industry standards, there's that relationship with businesses in the community. Um, and I don't know if it is called the business advisory group, you know, I'll rename stuff, but that's what I'm gonna call it. But <laughs> does, is oh. that something, <laughs> I, I thought it was close. Is that still something that is done? And, um, you know, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, I know it's definitely important, but how do businesses impact influence and kind of assist as MCTI um, offers the various programming and traits to students so that they are prepared for work when they leave. And sometimes they actually end up hiring their students. So yes. um, each one of the training programs uh, has an occupational advisory uh, group that, that's assigned to that particular trait. And it is made up of business and industry members. Um, and they meet several times a year to review the particular curriculum for their for their group so let's say cabinet making um, and they they come in and they look at our curriculum uh, they come in and look at our equipment um, and they make recommendations in terms of you know that may need to be phased out I'll give you a better example right now uh, commercial printing we're adding in a digital press the the business uh, the um, occupational advisory group you know, they, they have been harping on this for years. You guys need to go to digital presses, go to, you know, we need to move in that direction. Well, you know, that's one of our issues is funding. Um, digital presses are not cheap. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, this year it's happening. Uh, we are actually going to add in a digital press and, and kind of modernize that program. So um, it, it helps to have that, that business and industry insight they make recommendations in terms of safety. They make uh, trends, and um, but they also they also extend that network, that employer network for us, because folks on that serve on that community are. I mean, that that's what they do. If you're in graphics, uh, if you're in commercial printing, you 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 know other commercial printers, um, and so if we have students that are graduating, they sometimes can reach out and help place those students, place our students. So um, it is a pretty unique. Uh, thing and it, it is a requirement of COE, um, but it's even before it was a requirement, they were doing that here. Um, they, they've always had that connection with, with business and industries. So. Thank you. And oh, I'm sorry, can I 
this just last thing. One of the other things I know with MCTI is the, and you mentioned a little bit, but the focus on um, like those work skills. Um, there's a pretty strict time and attendance policy as far as getting to class and being on time and things like that, which is so important when someone is going to work. Um, I recall when I had cases I was referring, some, it, somebody got sent home because they were sleeping instead of going to class. So I think that's really important because yep, you can get this certification, you can get this training, but guess what? You need to be prepared for work for real. So if you can't make it to class, maybe you aren't ready to be here because you probably can't do this when you go back to work. Exactly. So that <laughs> is one thing that sets us apart from other schools, if you will, is that we operate much like a business does. Our, our, our work day starts at eight o'clock and it ends at 3.30. Students often clock in uh, and have to clock out. So, and, and there is an ex expectations that what we call those soft skills, those employability skills, the, you know, getting along with your coworkers, those are measured. Um, and, and we heart, we, I don't want to say we harp on them, but we, we focus on them because we know that that's a huge barrier to employment. If you can't play nicely with others, uh, if you can't communicate effectively, um, you know, it, it's not going to work for you in the workforce. So we try to simulate the work environment as best we can. And sometimes that means, you know, I mean, it, it not sometimes, but it means deadlines. You need to have this assignment done by three o'clock today. You know, I've given you this and, 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 and you work with the instructors on that, but they're always understanding. But uh, it does simulate that work environment. They, they know how to get themselves up, get to work. Um, you, you, Tasha, Nasha, you know that I mean, more than one student was sent home from time and attendance issues. Oh, yeah, good times. So, this is this is really interesting. So, I, I have two follow up questions, but I'll probably ask you the first one. Let's say, let's say there is a there is a business that wants to employ people with disabilities, mm -hmm. and and you are probably not offering one of those programs. I know you. No, no institution can offer every for every trade, um, but then uh, they would like to work with MCTI to set up a structure, and you know help you create it. Is that possible? How can that be done? Could you talk to some businesses who may be interested in collaborating with you? How they should approach you? It yeah, it actually it it can be done. I mean, if they're you know we look at trends and, and employment trends, and actually I we just had a conversation this morning with MCTI management talking about we may have the opportunity to, to bring in uh, new trainings. And if we did, what would they look like? Um, you know, we've been very responsive to manufacturing, uh, adding in two credentials for the manufacturing from the Manufacturing Skills Institute. Um, that was added into our industrial electronics program. And that was at the request of, of manufacturers. Um, for cabinet making, uh, we're actually looking at uh, branching off and bringing in like wood finishing. But a lot of that comes through our occupational advisory groups, but sometimes that comes from a phone call just into the facility. Uh, and we have somebody that focuses on program development here, that's Brian Smith. Uh, and he takes those phone calls and, and talks with the employers. There's also opportunities through apprenticeships. Um, we get referrals from the business network division uh, sometimes we get pulled into meetings with, with businesses um, and, and talk to them about their needs. And, and um, we have 
created programs for the, uh, there's a food producer group, Oceana Food Producers Group um, in Oceana County where we went up and trained five students. We created a six week training program uh, that had to deal with manufacturing. It was a group of five, a consortium of five employers. Um, we created the curriculum for them. It was based off of our industrial electronics program. We put them through five weeks of trainings. The employers conducted a round of interviews. Um, they hired the students and then we provided a job coach uh, and all five of those employees, all individuals uh, were on the autism spectrum and they're all still employed. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it is, but we are, I have to say this, we are a bit limited in terms of, we would love to do more of that, but we do, because of our accreditations, um, there are we have, there are certain things that we have to do. And so we're, you know, it's, those are more like pilots, but we could take those models uh, and, and, and put them elsewhere and, and create them specific uh, throughout the state. It just, it's just, there's a ton of red tape to do that. Thank you. Jennifer, because this is um, an institution that focuses on individuals with disabilities, I know we have occupational therapists on site. How are they, um, I don't know, supporting the students as it relates to like reasonable accommodations in, in the educational setting, but, with the, but can that also translate to the work setting? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, we've been, you know, I mean, accommodations are huge. We used to have an accommodation center here at MCTI that had rehab engineers that were, you know, they would fashion any sort of piece of equipment that an individual could need to, to do a job. Um, but, you know, currently it's, it's accommodations and it could be in terms of software, it could be in terms of hardware. Um, they help with testing accommodations. So if there's paperwork, for some of our um, state licensure exams, some of our programs have those uh, licensure components attached to them. The, the OT helps with that, that doc, gathering that documentation and filling out the paperwork for the individual. So they get the accommodations that they need for the, for the testing piece of it. Um, but the OTs do play a, they play a huge role uh, here at MCTI. Um, I know. Not just here at MCTI, but we've actually manufactured equipment out of MCTI for, for individuals in the community uh, with disabilities. We needed to create a glove stretcher for a one-handed individual who was working in pharmacy tech and couldn't, he couldn't put a glove on um, effectively with his one hand. Uh, and so they did, um, it was industrial electronics with a 3D printer was able to create a glove stretcher for the individual, shipped it off to him at his, at his pharmacy in Northern Michigan and, and the young man's working. I mean, that's all he needed. Think, think how simple that is. I just, you know, what's the problem? Let's, let's work through a solution. And it's, it's sometimes it's so simple. Mm -hmm. And I know you did allude to some of the certifications. So this is kind of like a two-parter. Um, the certifications that students get appear to be industry standard, you know, either national or state recognized certifications for whatever employment that is needed. Um, but even that's kind of part one. When it comes to training, um, are these like stackable? Does a person just, you know, what does the training look like? Because that is something that's different. 
It's not just, hey, I'm in this program, I'm going to go right through, because you might not go right through. No, um, you, you have can, to advance. So if you can speak to that. Right. So it's all <laughs> much like, uh, you know, a lot of the, even, even our entry testing, we've gone to competency-based testing. Uh, and so in order to move from term to term here, you, it is competency-based. You must pass the first term uh, successfully to go on to the next term. And they're earning credentials all along the way. Um, we do have like the CNA program is 10 weeks and that is, you know, one of the shorter programs. Um, so there's, there's not additional certifications that are offered, but industrial electronics, cabinet making, you know, graphic communication, they're earning at every exit point, every 10 weeks, there is the opportunity that that individual could graduate, have an industry certification and go to work. And we've had students right now, the, the market is so hot for the for manufacturing that, you know, they'll come in for industrial electronics, they'll do two terms uh, and instead of instead of four and go out and, and, and get a good paying job. That It's their choice. I want to go to work now. Can I go to work now? You sure can, you know, in leaving with two, two certifications, a graduation certificate from MCTI and you're on your way. Can I? I just want to tag along and ask a slightly different question that I meant to ask you. Um, it, during COVID, I'm sure things, learning structures were, so how important was remote learning versus, because you're a residential program, how important was remote learning versus in-person learning? How did you navigate that? I'm so sure. it was, that was interesting. Um, I talked a little bit about that at the beginning here, but um, we shut down in March of what is it 2020 we were open by october because um well first let me say this we needed to transition everything that we had online in less than a week when we shut down so we did not have the infrastructure for a learning management system so we procured we procured that we figured out which trades we could easily continue to, to deliver remotely, um, it, which was pharmacy tech, IT, um, I think even machine tech. Some of them were a lot easier than others. And then we just had to get creative with that learning management system as to what we were offering. Um, but it, what it showed, uh, there's no getting around the fact that when you're a vocational training center, really, and in our students, we know that our students learn best in person. Um, and so I actually worked extremely hard to get the safe, start, the safe Start plan in place to get our students back on campus by October. So everybody came back to in-person learning in October. So we were only shut down April, May, June, July, August, September, because it, it just, you know, to me, um, we, we knew we could do it safely. Um, so we knew that there was an inequity in resources that presented barriers to uh, students with disabilities. Um, you know, computer-based learning isn't always the best for, um, for individuals with disabilities. It depends on the individual, but um, we knew we had to get everybody back in the building. It, it's hands-on technical training, which is hard to do in a non-hands-on <laughs> environment. So we, you know, it did help us shift 
Um, we know now, and some of our programs are actually approved for remote learning. We, we delivered pharmacy tech online for an entire year. IT is kind of a no-brainer. Information technology with all the A-plus certifications and then the um, CompTIA certifications that go with it, that kind of blend, lends itself very well to remote learning. But you're not going to have a you know a culinary arts program that's that's remote, and you're not going to have a custodial program or a retail marketing program that's necessarily remote, and really have be of the same benefit from, to the students because really being here in person with the dorm setting, all of the good stuff that goes along with that education piece and all that personal growth that happens, you don't replicate that with remote learning. If someone wants to enroll with NCTI, you said that there's referrals coming through MRS, uh, which are a primary source, and wants to enroll into NCTI, do they go to MRS or, or Veterans Affairs? How, how would they do this? So actually, so yes, the, the ref, so the Department of Veterans Affairs also has, they have counselors that they work through. They had, they're assigned, the individuals are assigned to work with. So we're a service that Michigan Rehabilitation Services can offer to their clients. So it starts, that process starts with that rehab counselor through MRS. Um, they have many meetings to develop their IPE. Uh, and then they, they look at one of the, the 13 training programs, you know, is there any interest in, in any of the training programs? And then they make the referral down to MCTI. Great, thank you. Um, one last question, and we, we wanna be respectful of your, of your time as well. You know, we, um, so, so what are the top three issues that keep you awake at night and fulfilling your, your institute's mission? Well, um, honestly, school safety. Um, so that's probably number one is, is having a secure building. Um, you know, I just can't get around the environment uh, these days of, as to what's happening in the world. We're extremely rural. So it's the worry is always there um, that, you know, making sure that we're operating this facility in a safe manner. Um, I think, uh, hmm, budget, uh, is always, you know, I think right now it tends to be tied to political, act political activities and who's in office and, and as whether or not, you know, things are fully funded, um, and some of the stuff with RSA as well as, is, you know, it can, it can be limiting, um, and, and I think the last thing that's probably keeping me up at night is finding qualified staff. Um, we staff when they hire into MCTI tend to stay. So, I mean, we have people that are 20, 25, 30 years um, of service. They tend not to leave. Um, we're seeing younger people um, resigning and moving on to just different positions where we're having trouble filling positions with qualified applicants. And I know that's not any different than anywhere else, um, but you know, it's you know, offering competitive wages and benefits and, and flexibility. Um, you know, we're, we're feeling it right now. I'm gonna have, uh, I think 33% of our staff will be eligible to retire in the next five years. So it's going to be an issue for us. Is there yeah. anything we didn't ask, Jennifer, 
that you'd want us to know or want the audience to know about uh, MCTA? Oh, well, well, geez, Nasha. <laughs> Just that it, you know, it really is. Um, I mean, it, well, geez, Nasha, I don't want to say everything. I mean, it, it's not for everyone. This opportunity is not for everyone. And we don't sell it like it is for everyone. But it is an opportunity for individuals with disabilities to gain a post-secondary credential um, and, and get a leg up into an employment. And they will be in an environment where they are supported. Um, and, and we follow them through to the end. I mean, most of our students are, are, are employed before they exit. And this is longstanding. We have an 80% 80, 80 placement rate historically. So, and I'm just gonna take it back 25 years. Um, since I've been aware of the statistics, we, we have longer than that. The, the placement rate for our, our graduates is, is over 80%. So if students wanna go to work when they attend MCTI, they will go to work. Thank you so much. I think we, we've learned quite a bit uh, uh, talking to you. Hopefully, hopefully our audience will as, as well. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to Jennifer Zuniga, Director of the Michigan Career and Technical Institute, or MCTI. Subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss our next series of episodes. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted to future episodes. We want to take this opportunity to thank many individuals that have helped us kickstart this podcast, especially we want to thank our colleagues in Southeast Michigan Employee Resource Group who helped and participated in several brainstorming sessions, offering their advice and helping us plan this project. Last but not the least, uh, our able podcast editor, Tyler Grass from Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Uh, this is Sriram Narayanan at Michigan State University uh, with my co-host, Nasha Ely um, at Michigan Rehabilitation Services signing off. We want to remind our listeners that this podcast is a commercial-free community initiative. Just to remind you that if you have ideas, thoughts you want to share with, directly with us on the topic of abilities, opportunities, and future of work, please do consider reaching out. 